If you're a woman over 40 dealing with hot flashes, insomnia, brain fog, moodiness, or weight gain, you don't have to accept it as just another part of aging. The experts at Midi Health know all these symptoms can be connected to the hormonal changes of menopause. And Midi can help with safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions covered by insurance. 91% of Midi patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Brings you Dragnet. Ladies and gentlemen, the story you are about to hear is true. The names have been changed to protect the innocent. You're a detective sergeant. You're assigned a homicide detail. A small boy is reported missing from his home. His age, nine years. Foul play is suspected. Your job, find him. documented drama of an actual crime. For the next 30 minutes, in cooperation with the Los Angeles Police Department, you will travel step by step on the side of the law through an actual case transcribed from official police files. From beginning to end, from crime to punishment, Dragnet is the story of your police force in action. It was Thursday, December 22nd. It was cold in Los Angeles. We were working the night watch out of Homicide Division. My partner's Frank Smith, the boss of Fab Brown, Chief Detective. My name's Friday. I was on the way into work, and it was 3.55 p.m. when I got to room 42. Homicide. Hi, John. Frank, what's doing? Oh, nothing. Pretty quiet. How's your mother? Oh, that cold's still hanging on. Bad cough. Doc says nothing serious, though. My kid's got the same thing. Must be some kind of a virus going around. Yeah, maybe so. Did you get all the reports on that Webster case yet? Yeah. Yeah, all taken care of. Good. I get it. Homicide, Friday. This is Robinson, Unit 11J1. Got something for you. Yeah, I hear you. What's doing? Doherty and I are out here on Hollis Avenue, 4656, trying to track down a nine-year-old boy. Well, what's the story? Kid's missing. Suspicion of foul play. Yeah? How long has he been gone? About two hours. Looks like a job for homicide. How do you figure? Well, the kid was last seen playing in the backyard of his home. Yeah? We checked over the yard. Did you find anything? Bloodstains, lots of them. They look new. Frank and I left a message for Chief of Detective Thad Brown. Then we went over to the crime lab, picked up Ray Pinker, and drove out the Arroyo Seco Freeway to Hollis Avenue. It was an average neighborhood. Number 4656 was a one-story green stucco residence situated on the corner of Hollis Avenue and Harrison Drive. Beyond the backyard was a tract of undeveloped land covered with scrub oaks. Harry Levinson from Highland Park Juvenile was waiting for us in front of the house. 
Back this way, fellas. You coming, Ray? Well, I got my bag. Who notified you the boy was missing, Harry? My mother said she went down to do some Christmas shopping about 11 this morning, left the boy home. Came back about 2 this afternoon, he was gone. What's the name? Johnstone. The kid's name is Stanley, nine years old. Uh, the gate open like this when you got here? Yeah, we haven't touched a thing. There's a stains over here, Mr. Pink, along the edge of the walk there, you see? Yeah, let me see. Quite a few stains, huh? Looks like it might be blood. Try some benzidine on them. There we are. Let's see what happens. Where's the kid's mother now, Harry? She's in the house. Daughty's talking to her. She talked to any of the neighbors? Yeah, the people next door, the ones on this side. They couldn't tell us anything. There it is, fellas. Really? These spots I covered with benzene, they're turning blue. Blood stains, all right. Can't say definitely whether it's human or animal. You have to go back to the lab to run it through? Yeah. Biological precipitant test. Hand me one of those glass vials in my bag, will you? One of these? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Thanks. Take some of these flakes off the test. How soon can you type the blood for us, Ray? Precipitant test won't run more than 20 minutes. Take three, four hours to run a blood grouping, though. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's it. Anything else you want to check? Let me see. Anything else? Yeah, right here under this tin can. Empty shell. Mm-hmm. 22, huh? Yeah, it might tie in, might not. Mark it and dumb it in this envelope, will you? Sure. There you go. Mm-hmm. You got a missing broadcast on the boy, Harry? Yeah, Doherty did about half an hour ago. Here's a description right here. Thanks. Mother know about the blood stains? No, we didn't tell her. She's weird enough already. She has no idea what might have happened to her boy, huh? Mm, no more than we do. Checked all the friends, relatives. We're covering the neighborhood. No trace so far. Not much to go on. Hmm? Blood stains, empty cartridge. It could mean a hundred things. Any ideas, Friday? Just one, and I don't like it. Four thirty p.m. Thursday, December twenty-second. The neighborhood search for nine-year-old Stanley Johnstone continued. Ray Pinker went back to the crime lab to start the precipitant test and the blood grouping. Levinson and his partner, Doherty, from Highland Juvenile, stood by. We called Chief of Detective Thad Brown, and he ordered up a special detail to aid in the search for the missing boy. Frank and I questioned the boy's mother, Mrs. Ruth Johnstone, a woman in her early 40s. She seemed fairly calm under the circumstances. Mrs. Johnstone, is your boy Stanley in the habit of wandering off without telling you where he's going? No, he's not in the habit of wandering off, but he has done it before. When was the last time, Miss Johnstone? You don't have any children, do you, Sergeant Friday? No, ma'am. Well, there comes that time in every young boy's life when he feels that it's time to leave home. Go out on his own. Usually happens somewhere around 8 to 10. Yes, ma'am. I think I know what you mean. I'm a boy. Then you know how it is. My husband and I scolded Stanley one afternoon after school, and he was quite put out about it. Thought George and I were unfair. Packed a few of his things and left. Well, how long was he gone, ma'am? Oh, no time at all. About two hours. I was worried about him, but my husband said to leave him alone. Said every boy had to go through that stage. Uh-huh. Well, then you think he's run away from home again this time, do you? Yes, I think so. He's been gone about four hours now. No, I have a funny feeling about it. Did you and his father happen to have some misunderstanding with the boy recently? Well, that's just it. We haven't. I don't mind telling you now that we're talking about it. I'm getting worried. Any place around that you might like to visit? A hobby shop or a playground? Something like that where you might be? Yes, there's Jensen's model shop, Little Helen Woods. But I've already called there and he hasn't been seen all day. I've called all of his friends and they have no idea either. Mm-hmm. We'd like a list of all of his friends and the places that he was known to frequent, ma'am. Yes, all right. I'll give them to you. Where do you suppose he is? Where's your husband now, Mrs. Johnstone? At work. George works for the city. He's a fireman. Uh-huh. What house is he stationed at? Engine Company 12. He's working the A platoon. He'll be home tomorrow morning. I haven't told him that Stanley's gone. Was there any chance that the boy might be down at the firehouse with his father? No, he seldom goes down there anymore. No, I don't think he's there. I'm awfully worried. May I call my husband? Well, certainly. You go right ahead. 
I know George will be worried. Sammy's been gone too long. Hello. May I speak with George Johnstone? This is Mrs. Johnstone. Thank you. I hate to call George at his work. Yes, ma'am. Does your husband own the gun, ma'am? Yes, he does. What caliber, would you know? It's a forty-five automatic. He's got it, ma'am. George? Well, this is Ruth. George, is Stanley down there with you by any chance? Oh, no, I can't find him anywhere. He wasn't here when I came home from doing my shopping. There are two policemen here. No, I said there are two policemen here. No, dear, I'll call you if we don't find him soon. Oh, all right. Yes, you too. Bye. I didn't think he'd be with George. Oh, that forty-five. Is that the only gun in the household? Yes. Why are you asking about guns? Has anything happened that you're not telling me about? No, ma'am, just routine checking. We'll have to take a look at that forty-five if you don't mind. Maybe I should tell you we do have another gun in the house, but it's all wrapped up. George bought it for Stanley's Christmas present. What if we could look at it, please? Yes, will you have to unwrap it? I'm afraid so. I think I can reach it. We had to hide it. Let me see. Well, here's the paper it was wrapped in. Stanley must have found it. It's gone. You see? Here's the gift card in the box the gun came in. Rifle. Uh huh. Could I look at the box, ma'am? Thank you. How about it, Joe? 22 caliber. Thursday, December 22nd, 5.15 p.m. It was getting dark. The search for the missing boy continued. We checked the list of Stanley Johnstone's friends. None of them or their parents had any idea of his whereabouts. We talked with Levinson again. He'd been in touch with the detail combing the neighborhood. They'd found nothing. We went down to Holloff Avenue and 10th Street, service station on the corner. You want a dime, Joe? No, I got one. You watch the Chief Browner. Yeah. Something's got to break. Yeah. I hope it's not the house of that kid's parents. 
Hi, Chief. I've been looking for you, Friday. Yeah, what do you got, Harry? Found a gun, a new twenty-two rifle. I'd say it's been fired recently. Where'd you find it, Levinson? Back up there in that scrub oak behind the Johnstone house. Mrs. Johnstone identified it. Buckley took it down to the crime lab. Well, thanks, Harry. Miss Johnstone okay? Pretty sick now. Killaby came up with something else. What's that? There's another one missing. An eight-year-old boy. 6.30 p.m. We talked with Officer Killaby about the other missing boy. He told us that his name was Stephen Martin, eight years old. His family had just moved into the neighborhood. It seemed that no one besides the Martin family knew that the boys played together. Mrs. Martin told us that Stephen told her that he was going out to play and he'd be home by 6 o'clock for dinner. She told us that he was an unusually prompt boy and almost never overstayed his playtime. We got a description of the Martin boy and put out a missing broadcast. We called the Johnstone family doctor. He told us that Stanley's blood was type O. At 7 p.m., we talked again with Mrs. John Martin. Are you sure Mrs. Johnson doesn't know where the boys are? She has no idea, Mrs. Martin. Oh, this is terrible. Just awful. I feel there's more to this thing, something you're not telling me. Well, there's no use to upset you until we know a few more things for sure, ma'am. Then you are holding something back. Well, please try not to worry, Mrs. Martin. There are certain questions we have to ask, routine questions in any kind of investigation. Is there anything else you want to know? Yes, ma'am. What's your boy's blood type? That's a funny question. Do you think anything's happened to him? Have you found him and you're not telling me? No, ma'am. We haven't found him, and we don't think anything's happened to him. He's blood type, huh? Yes, ma'am. Well, I think I have it written down in Stevie's baby book. Mm. Yes. Yes, here it is. The type is O. Type O, thank you. I wonder if I can use your phone. Oh, yes, of course. It's in the hall. Be right back, Frank. Yeah. Dragnet, the authentic story of your police force in action. The modern way to sell cigarettes is the Chesterfield way, both regular and king size, and we're the only one that does it. We tell you what Chesterfields are made of to give you premium quality in both popular sizes. Our scientists select the best materials. They select for Chesterfield the world's best tobaccos, blend them just right, and they keep Chesterfields tasty and fresh with the best of moistening agents. Now, here's something else that's completely modern about Chesterfield. People smoke. Eight p.m., Thursday, December 22nd. Still no sign of either of the missing boys. Chief of Detective Thad Brown went back to headquarters to direct the search from there. He dispatched another detail of 50 men to aid in the hunt for the missing youngsters. 8.30 p.m. It was getting colder. The citrus growers were warned to expect a freeze. We went back up the block to see Mrs. Johnstone. Her husband had quit work early and returned home. We talked with him. He could tell us nothing more than we already knew. We still had not informed either of the families about the blood stains and the empty cartridge casing which had been discovered in the backyard of the Johnstone home. It was more than possible that they had a right to know about our findings, but Frank and I felt there was no cause to add to their distress at this particular time. If the two missing boys were found alive and well then the bloodstains and the cartridge would be of no concern to the relieved parents. 
At 8.40 p.m., Frank and I left the Johnstone house and went to the home of Mr. and Mrs. John Martin. Mrs. Martin, you said your husband worked in the market. Yes. He telephoned about 15 minutes ago and said he was closing up right away. He'll be here any minute. I do wish Stevie would call or come home. It's so cold out tonight. All he had on was a thin cotton jacket. Well, try not to worry. We're doing everything we can. He'll be all right. Stevie's father's such a sensitive man. He and the boy are so close. I know he's terribly upset. Yes, ma'am. Are you sure there's no place you might have forgotten? Some place where the boy might be? No. No place. No. If anything's happened to the boy, it'll just kill John. Mrs. Martin. This is dog in it. Thank you. Joe? Yeah, Harry. John's don't care. He's been found. He's home, Sergeant. He's come home. Thank God he's all right. Well, where's he been? Did he tell you? No. No, he didn't. His clothes are all dirty and he's acting strange. I've, I've never seen him like this. How do you mean, Mrs. Johnson? Well, he just came in the front door and said, Hello, Mom, and then he sat down in a chair and stared at the floor. He talked to his father and me. Do you mind if I talk to him? No, go ahead. I asked him about the little Martin boy. He wouldn't tell me a thing. Well, where is he now? Right over there in the living room. Oh, yeah. Looks all right. Yes. Son. Son, this is a police officer. He wants to talk to you. Don't be afraid, dear. He only wants to ask you some questions. Son. You see, Sergeant? Yes, ma'am. Stanley? Come on, boy, look at me. Come on, youngster, get your head up. Oh, that's better. You had your mother pretty worried, you know that? You want to tell us where you've been? I wish you'd try to get him to eat a little something. You hear that, son? You want something to eat? Stanley, there's another little boy up the street who hasn't come home. Do you know where he is? His father and mother are worried about him, too, just like your folks were. You gotta help us find him, son. I killed him. I killed Steve with the twenty-two. We were only playing, but I killed him. Well, how do you know you killed him? Maybe he's only hurt now, isn't it? No, no, he's dead. I know he's dead. The gun went off. We forgot we put bullets in it. Well, where is he, Stanley? I hit him. I was scared. I didn't want anybody to find him. Where did you hide him, son? In a cave up on the hills. I didn't mean it. He was my pal. Do you want to show us where, Stanley? Yes, sir. I'll show you. Please don't send me to jail. Nine fifteen p.m. Thursday, December twenty-second. Nine-year-old Stanley Johnstone led the way up the hill behind the backyard of his home. He showed us the wagon he'd moved the body in. His father came along with us. About 50 feet from the crest of the hill, the boy pointed to a thicket of scrub oak. There we found a small cave holding the body of Stephen Martin. There was a single bullet wound in his chest just below his heart. He was dead. We covered the body. Stanley, how did it happen? Well, I knew my folks were going to give me a bill for Christmas. I knew where it was and I got it. There was a box of bullets with it. Were you pointing the gun at Stephen, son? No, sir. No, no sir, I wasn't. It was Steve's turn to play with it. I was chasing him. He tripped over that stump and he fell. The gun hit him in the stomach and it went off. Now, why do you think you killed him if you're telling us the truth here? He's telling the truth. Honest, it's the truth. All right, I believe you, son. Why do you think you killed him? It was my gun. He'd still be alive if I didn't go get it. I 
chance to get away until Christmas. It's all my fault. Where have you been all this time? In the cave. Steve. What were you doing in there, son? I was praying. I was praying for God to make him alive again. After a thorough investigation, Frank and I were convinced that the shooting of Stephen Martin was accidental. Ray Pinker's findings substantiated the Johnstone boys' story, even to the smallest detail. We put in a call to the coroner's office and acquainted him with the facts. He designated a local mortuary to handle the body pending autopsy and granted us permission to remove the body to the Martin home. Mrs. Martin collapsed. The family doctor was called. Frank and I sat in the living room to wait for John Martin, the dead boy's father. Edith? Edith? Mr. Martin? Yes. You the police? Yes, sir. Where's Edith? Where's my wife? Has my boy come home? Well, have you found him? Yes, sir. Where is he? Steve? Stevie? Where's Steve? Hurt, isn't he? Yes, sir. Where is he? I want to see him. He's hurt pretty bad, Mr. Martin. Oh, where is he? I want to see him. How bad? Pretty bad. He's dead. All right, if I go in. Yes, sir, if you want to. Will you go with me? Yes, sir. Don't make it any harder on yourself, Mr. Martin. I want to see my boy. <laughs> <laughs> Boy, Stanley Johnstone. It was an accident. Mr. Martin, where are you going? I want to see that boy. 
We had no idea what the dead boy's father had in mind. We didn't feel that we should try to restrain him. We went along with him up the street to the Johnstone home. I'm Stevie's father. Where's your boy? I'm sorry. Where's your boy? He's right here. Won't you come in? All right, Miss Johnson. You're the boy that was with Stevie. Yes, sir. What's your name? Dan. I'm sorry, Mr. Martin. I know it wasn't your fault, Stan. I, w- I wonder if you'd do something for me. Yes, sir. I've got a lot of nice presents for Stevie. I know he'd want you to have them. I want to give them to you. Christmas Eve. Mom? I think that'd be a fine idea, son. December 24th, the coroner's inquest was held in the county morgue, county of Los Angeles, state of California. In a moment, the results of that inquest. At the coroner's inquest, it was officially recorded that Stephen Martin's death was the result of an accident. Stanley Johnstone was absolved of any legal responsibility for his friend's death. Her Dragnet, a series of authentic cases from official files. Technical advice comes from the Office of Chief of Police, W.H. Parker, Los Angeles Police Department. Technical advisors, Captain Jack Donahoe, Sergeant Marty Wynn, Sergeant Vance Brasher. Heard tonight were Ben Alexander, William Johnstone, Sammy Ogg. Script by Jim Moser. Music by Walter Schumann. Hal Gibney speaking. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. 
And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.